Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cana Rinse Sound of Play 39.
Sound of Play. Every other Wednesday, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 39 is a new guest. It's Chris Spann. Hello. Welcome. You've been knocking down our door trying to get on this here show for some time. Yeah, like... um as well as podcasts and video games, like I, I studied music and music tech and things, so it's it's the one thing that I feel like I'm an actual. God, I nearly said an authority. Then it's the one thing I th- I actually feel like I know about. So <laughs> qualified, uh, yeah, you're yeah, definitely yeah. qualified. Uh, okay, I didn't know that about you. I don't think, um, but I, 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 a little bird tells me that congratulations are in order. You've recently got wed. Is that correct? Yes, I got back off honeymoon yesterday the day before oh. uh, and came home to find out that my wonderful friends had covered covered the house in pictures of Nicolas cage okay um, uh yeah which is marvelous like th- they were in the bed I, we keep finding them different places i've just noticed well i noticed this morning that half my transformers collection has his face stuck on them wow um we keep finding them on food in the fridge <laughs> um they've done a really really good job although we got back really really late so it was like three in the morning we came back and found the house covered in them and um yeah, it was it, to begin with. Really, we thought we'd been visited, like like burgled by the strangest burglars in the world. Ah, so you'd left somebody with uh, access for house sitting purposes, presumably. Um, no, they just my friends just tapped up my my now mother in law because they knew she had a key <laughs> and she played nice. along. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this begs the question: Where do you stand on Nicolas Cage? What's the joke here? What's the deal? I am largely ambivalent about him, but I have, oh, okay. a, I have a friend who is obsessed with him, and right. uh, <laughs> like I quite like Conair. That's mm. yeah. um, I've I've not got a problem with him, but uh, yeah, I have a friend who absolutely adores him, and as a result, right. decided to fill my house with him. See, my experience with Nicolas Cage is that uh, in a lot of films, he's he's terrible and unwatchable. Um, but in two or three films, I absolutely love him. Uh, Adaptation being one of those, uh, Kick-Ass being another. Well, this is true of, oh, what's his name as well? Um, do you know what? This is a rubbish conversation because I can't even remember the film he was in. Um, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah. A lot of people yeah. hate him or used to hate him anyway, yes. but he was in. It's a film where he plays like a, a, a violent, abusive Southern guy. Oh, that's uh, Killer Joe. Killer I think, Joe, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like that was the first Matthew McConaughey film I ever saw. So I was like, hey, Matthew oh, right. McConaughey's good, isn't he? And I was like, yeah. no, he's a well, dreadful. No, he, he, yeah, he, he's done a lot of... He did, he went through a, a rom-com phase. Um, ah, and, right. And actually since then he's done a lot of interesting stuff like Mud and Wolf of Wall Street and Interstellar and, you know, all this other stuff. Interstellar, uh, of course, yeah. The Matthew McConaissance, as, as it was dubbed <laughs> by some. Uh, yes, we're bridging the gap between us and uh, the Mayo and Kermode podcast now. Um, so away from matters cage you had a good honeymoon i hope yeah Not that you're to gonna Mad- say on here if you didn't we went but... to madrid and it was really nice yeah i went to madrid last year it was uh it was cool it's, mm. a, it's a cool place with lots of did you see many many hipsters we saw many hipsters there were a lot of top knots and beard combos going on and i say this as somebody who lives in brighton which is probably <laughs> the hipster capital of, of the um, uk right now quite a few but um to, well i mean to be honest we didn't help by doing things like eating in vegan cafes and things like that same here exactly that yeah did you yeah, go to Okay. Yerba Buena, then. Um, hmm. I can't remember the names. It's, but... it's all green and grey. And... Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah they we do did, an enormous yeah. veggie burger. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. brilliant. I mean, we went there back twice. In, the, in, in the side in the side streets somewhere. Yep. That's yeah. the one. Brilliant. I know the one. Yeah, Marvelous very, place. Very cool food. Mm. Now we've chewed the fat uh, or the <laughs> vegan, well, whatever the vegan tofu. Um, 
we better talk about that piece of music that we opened the show with because I'm going to make a bet here that not one of our considerable number of Sound of Play listeners actually recognised that piece of music. So can you explain what it was, why you picked it uh, and all that sort of thing? Well, people might know it from... Um, there was a video that I saw years ago online, which was basically, it was that track, but cut together from bits of, it was like a Japanese McDonald's advert. Okay. And it was called like Muck Insanity or something. Right. Um, and that that's where I originally heard it and then managed to trace it back and find out it was this track. It's called uh, UNO in Was Her. Yeah. Flandre's yeah. theme from uh, one of the Toho games to Toho, Toho, Toho. To, to, to who, uh, embodiment of Scarlet Devil is the uh, is the name of the game in English, I believe. Yeah, yes. it's it's a it's it's one of the Tohu series of bullet uh, bullet hell shooters, basically. Yeah, and it's um it's also sometimes called the Death Waltz. It's it's got a really weird kind of um urban legend about it in that some people also say it's called the Death Waltz, which is Ooh. technically the name given to uh, well, which is the name given to a piece of music that was written specifically to be unplayable. Right. Um, it's not actually Death Waltz. It's picked up that name somewhere, probably mm. through LimeWire or something weird like that. <laughs> um, I, I just, I just think it's a fantastic piece of music because I mean, it starts off. The, the intro is really weird and jarring. I think it's in nine eight or something like that, and just yeah. sits really odd. And then everything about it is just slightly peculiar. Like it's mm-hmm. in. I, I couldn't tell you what key it's in off the top of my head, but it just sits mm. in a very odd place. Then yeah. you've got that midsection with the amen break, and it kicks into like uh, almost like a carnival piece in the background, and it's just really strange and unsettling and unnerving. Um, mm. So the perfect opening to a podcast, really. Yeah, like any any <laughs> podcast I'm involved with, yeah, needs needs an unsettling and kind of openly hostile opening. So uh, I, I think we achieved it with this track. It's 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 even weirder as well. The the name is. A reference to um, an Agatha Christie book, the name of which I can only remember the really hideously racist name of it. Uh, uh, I believe they now call it Ten Little... Ten Little Indians, it's known as. It's also known as... Indians, yes. Uh, I think it's now properly known as And Then There Were None. That's correct, yes. Um, Which I think if you're in America is quite often part of the American... Uh, the American English syllabus. Right. Um, and one of Agatha Christie's... It's the best-selling murder mystery book ever written, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that that boss fight is also full of references to that book. Nice. It's a very, very... It's just a very strange piece of music, and the whole thing... It's got a kind of vaguely Japanese... Japanese hardcore J-core feel to it, but it's mm. it's never quite... It's just... it it's it's It sounds like a bullet hell boss to me, um, yeah. and that's exactly what it is. All right. Well, that's uh, by the 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 one person collective known as the Shanghai Arasu Genka uh, Genka Kudan, which is basically Team Shanghai Alice. Um, mm, I yeah. think all the games are made by the the entire things. It's like a one person thing. That's like, right. Like Cave Story or something like that. Yeah. 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 And that's uh, that's a PC Dujin game from two thousand and two. If you want to check it out further. Next up, we have a request from Twitter. This is something we opened up recently. Um, rather than only asking for requests on the forum, which, you know, we, we still welcome very much, um, we'd love it if you'd come by, sign up the forum at canarince.com slash forum and make requests there and you can share a video of the song or a link and uh, and tell us a bit about it. But uh, if you want to uh, at us at Cana Rince or um, Facebook, 
we also have a Facebook page and make requests on there. We will uh, do our best to make a note of these, keep track of them and uh, and share them on the show. And that's what Owen Grogan did on Twitter. And he's request a piece of music which uh, we know in the West as Eterna Forest, but I believe its original Japanese name is actually Hakutai Forest. And he says, It's quiet, withdrawn, a little melancholic, but very beautiful. It proffers a warm solace amidst all the frantic gym battles and meta game. Nice to hang out there with NPCs at dusk. So the uh, gym battles phrase will give you a clue that this is from Pokemon. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, to be exact, from 2006 on the DS and Eterna Forest. So that's by the very talented Hitomi Sato, one of uh, the many excellent uh, female composers from Japan that we feature. Um, always a treat to hear from something Nintendo-y. That's only a short piece. I think there's, as usual with a lot of these pieces, uh, if you go onto YouTube and search for the title of that song, you'll find like an extended version, which can be anything from up to the same track looping for up to 30 minutes or indeed in some cases 10 hours. So uh, if you want to drive yourself mad, that's uh, that's out there for you. Another Japanese piece from our guest, guest Chris Ban now, and uh, this is from a favourite game of mine from uh, more than a decade ago now. Uh, and you've picked, yeah, perhaps one of the pieces that people don't, talk about so much when when Guitaru Man is is invoked people normally talk about uh, the eternal theme and things like that but uh, but this is resurrection so what is it you like about this one were you a fan of the game yeah Guitaru uh, Man is to my mind it is the best rhythm action game on the planet um it might be it's probably one of my favorite games of all time mm-hmm. um and i think it more accurately portrays the feel of playing guitar than like a guitar hero or a rock band or anything like that, just mm. through buttons and an analog stick. Um, basically, when when you asked me to do this, I knew I was going to choose something from Guitar Man, yeah, but I didn't know what to choose. And I and I went through and and for a while I did have um, I was using uh, I think it's called Bad to the Bone, the the, the skeleton guys level, yeah. Um, I also considered using um, uh, Tainted Lovers, I think it's called. Um, Like, I considered every single piece of music in the game. The reason, in the end, I picked Resurrection, which is the very, very final level, um, piece of music from the final level, is because it manages to tell a story both through 
actual musical composition and through production as well, which is something that I basically I was looking for something that most embodied everything it is that I love about Guitar Man. So this is the uh, the battle with the, the 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 main antagonist in the game called Zoe, uh, written Zowie but pronounced Zoe, um, like Zoe Bowie. Oh, oh is it? I is guess. that? Yeah, that well, makes sense. I, I suspect it's a reference. Well, yeah, I didn't actually to... know that, so that makes complete sense now. Duncan Jones, yeah, uh, as yeah, he is yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, it's I say it's a perfectly bog standard piece of like guitar rock. But the thing I love about it is Zoe's parts. Um, he's the bad guy. Are produced in a way where they're they're using what's called a notch filter, where you take you drop out a lot of the. Um, uh, the frequencies and a thing, and just just it's like like a phone sound, if you know what I mean. Where there's just one very narrow band of frequency that's allowed uh-huh. through, and it's really scratchy and really um, really sloppily produced. Like there's there's mm. loads of fret noise, there's loads of just general guitar noise. Right. That would explain why it always makes me think of the sort of slacker rock of of the '90s and uh, sort of lo-fi stuff. There's there's a slight hint of Radiohead in the intro, sort of older Radiohead, and mm, yeah, um, those kind of yeah big kind of drawly chords over the top. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, it is. It's that. It's that kind of nineties. Uh, yeah, sort of mm. no wave noise rock kind of. That's it, yeah. Think uh, Sonic Youth. Think a little more modern. If you think McCluskey um, mm. or the band that they led into Future of the Left. Um, but it's it's not it's not a nice sound, and and that is the bad guys' uh, guitar sound. Yeah. Whereas Guitar Man has the the by this point the guitar sound that you're used to from Guitar Man, which is a very again a very standard but very well done kind of bluesy rock sound, um, and. The track just picks up in intensity as it goes on. But basically, for those of you who don't know, the, the 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 premise of the game is that Guitar Man is a man who fights baddies musically with an instrument that basically looks. Um, would it be unfair to describe it as looking like a sort of well something sort of slightly rude and futuristic looking? Um, yeah, it sort of it ta- it ta- it picks up the uh, the guitar as a phallic symbol uh, motif and runs with it yeah. and gives it a sci-fi twist. I yeah. think that's but very it, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the track just goes on and on and on and on and kind of reaches this amazing pinnacle. And there's some really nice kind of motifs that come that that come. Uh, that are in the track over and over again. There's a few little melody lines that just uh, just that I think run through the game. Actually, I think some of them are there in the kind of the main piece of music as well, and they are very much Guitar Man's trademark. And I love the way that it, it's just through the sound of because you can listen to the. Um, just the audio version with all the kind of game stuff taken out of it. You don't have mm. to watch a, a let's play of it. And you just get, you still get the feel of what is happening, that it is two people. It sounds like a guitar battle, like mm. uh, like a rap battle or anything else like that. Dueling banjos. Dueling banjos, yeah. Um, a lot of the old Thin Lizzy stuff where you had uh, Bell and Gorham who were like actively trying to outdo each other. If you listen mm. to something like Emerald, actually, by Thin Lizzy is a really good touch mm-hmm. point for this. Um it's an absolutely in- incredible piece of music, and as I say, just that there are bits in it where just through using what an analog stick and I use circle. I don't think you have to use circle as the button you press. Mm. I think you use any of the face buttons, but the game makes yeah. me pull faces. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, I know the ones. Yeah, look at any guitar picture of, sex faces. Yeah, mm. look at any picture of Stevie Ray Vaughan from the eighties, and they're <laughs> the faces I pull, and you will pull too if you play Guitar Man. The only problem with it is Guitar Man's a bit of a pain to play now. Um, Not if you've kept your PS2 like I have. Well, that's true. I, I have a I have a PSP with it on. Yeah, 
Uh, I believe that is the slightly easier version of it as well. Um, the the, right. the analog is is slightly better mapped, I think, or, or slightly more forgiving. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's they say it was. There's like nine or ten levels, I think, in Guitar Man. It was. I at one point I was going to choose um, the the way you're being chased by the giant shark. The the, oh, the, the, the dubstep. Shark, not the dubstep it's shark. It's a DMB. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking um, it's pre dubstep. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the sort of dub reggae drum and bass mm. um, but, but sharks is notoriously difficult level. Yeah. But, um, but I have to say, I, I could ace it every time when I had this game. Yeah, but it's 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 in no way. I I, I wanted to pick that because I think it's probably that's probably my favourite piece of music from the game. But oh, that's because okay. I'm a an arsehole that likes dance music. Um, mm. But the uh, but it doesn't really represent the game properly. Whereas I think Resurrection is like a complete representation of the game, both from the way it uses production and actual musical composition to tell a story, through to just kind of that 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 really kind of generic but well done guitar rock that makes up the a lot of the soundtrack and and just makes you think of um well just just really makes you think of this game marvelous stuff.
So that's Resurrection by, I think uh, it's credited to uh, like a, a band named Coil, but I think Tomohiro Harada composed everything for that game, I think. I think but, so, yeah. Uh, but I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, it's by Innis, the people who went on to make uh, Os Tatakai Uendan, um, and it was released by Koei, but THQ over here. Um, it's a game I'd love us to cover on the main Kane and Rince podcast at some point. I'll bear you in mind as a guest, knowing what a big fan you are, Chris. Um, that would make my life. <laughs> and, um, yeah, my, my sticking point was this was on the second playthrough. You open up, once you've completed it, which I did many, many, many times because I played this obsessively, um, you unlock an expert mode and the Mojo King B, which is only, I think, the third song in, mm. uh, I never managed to beat that on expert mode. It's just, uh, it just, I couldn't get past the, I think it's the penultimate trumpet solo was just too too fast and too hard for my my little fingers and thumbs. But um, yeah, I'll have to pick up another copy if uh, if we ever cover that. Yeah, yeah. Worthwhile. Next up, something completely different. This is requested at the forum, canarince.com slash forum, as I said, in the uh, Sound of Play folder. This is a request from Magician Arcana, and it's from FIFA International Soccer. He says, uh, anyway, while visiting my parents' house a few days ago, I found my SNES, or SNES if you prefer, and because I was inspired by a recent episode of Kane and Rince, I played The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. This got me playing a bunch of other SNES games I haven't touched for a while, such as Super Metroid, SimCity and FIFA. I believe it's the first FIFA game and it has this really catchy tune that plays on the main menu. It's been stuck in my head for the past few days. I really like 16-bit era music.
international soccer the first version that was on the super nintendo that is specifically the super nintendo version that tune didn't appear on the 1993 mega drive original to my memory anyway so that conversion was done by uh explained ex- <laughs> extended play productions but the music is by jeff van dyke who's gone on to uh do music for the likes of uh, a lot of the total war games medieval 2 shogun um and so on after he did uh, a number of those ea sports games but more recently uh, Alien Isolation yeah so cool now we have uh, something 20 years more recent than that last <laughs> piece uh, and I've played a little bit of this game and I liked it but um, but not enough to have fallen in love with this piece of music but listening to it in preparation for the show I thoroughly enjoyed it so what have you brought for us here Chris? Uh, right, my ne- right this next one's actually so everything I've bought 
with me today. I've tried to bring stuff that's interesting from a production or a technical or a rather than being a piece of music I like. I've tried to bring sure. something that's kind of got something interesting about it. So, so my next piece is the the main. I think the only music that's in uh, Love Trousers mm. by Vlambeer. What's weird about it is that the version that you're going to play um, is not the version. Is, is not the piece of music specifically that I okay. want to... Basically, um, again, if you don't know, the way Luftrausers is a uh, shoot-em-up made by Vlambeer, so you know it's good. Um, part of you, where you play a tiny kind of Second World War-era-esque plane that flies around and shoots other planes and boats and blimps and things like that. It's dead simple. What makes the game interesting is that you can modify the engine, the body, and the weapon that your plane has, and each different part of those changes the music in some way, shape, or form. I think mm. the engine affects the uh, the percussion, the body affects the the bass line, and the um, weapon affects the the melody line. I could be wrong on that, um, but. Basically, each each um, so as well as there being like three hundred or five hundred or whatever different versions of planes, there's technically five six hundred different pieces of music that you can right. play the game to, just cool. by them using different um, different sections. Obviously, all in the same key, all at the same tempo, um, and they just fit on top of each other until that big uh, that crescendo that da, 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 da. Um, when that kicks in, that's the same and. Um, to uh to to steal uh, an observation made by somebody else the fantastic thing about it that is um Luftraus is one of those games where a lot of runs end up being quite short you can only take mm. very few hits before you die um so when that bit kicks in uh the the big crescendo about a minute minute and 10 in or whatever it is that's kind of a sign that yeah you're having an all right run actually um and I, and I think I don't know if I'm right, but that often feels like that bit kick like coincides with a big spawn of enemies or something like that. Like you always feel like you're busy when when the, that that bit kicks in, and it makes you feel like a fighter pilot. It's an incredible piece of music. As I say, um, anybody who's played a lot of Luftrausers probably won't recognise the piece of music that you actually play because I think that's the very first standard vehicle you get. And obviously, after a while and playing the game, you find a, 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 a loadout that works for you, so you won't recognise that. You'll be like, "Well, that's not how the baseline goes. The, the 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 drums are completely different. This is this is your lines, me." But I I chose this just to represent one. Um, I mean, I think all the different parts that they use are really well done and and and, and do create a great piece of music from, from a very sparse kind of instrument set. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to include it just as a fascinating little um, sort of technical curio because, um, I mean, I, I was going to bring uh, something from Monkey Island 2 because that famously... Mm. Ha- um, Edited and adapted the music, yeah, yeah. That's right. um, yeah. based on where you were stood, what was going on around you, things like that. Um, but I know a, a lot's been said about that. And again, when I was thinking about this, I was on holiday and couldn't really go through because you you sent me a list of all the tracks that had been previously played, and I couldn't go through it to 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 kind of specifically to check it hadn't been in. But I figured sure. nobody would have chosen the Luftrausers piece of music, and I just wanted to include something that represented um, kind mm. of adaptive and and music that is altered by uh, choices that you make within the game. Um, Good call. Brilliant piece of music. Say, so I think it stands up on its own, but it's also a, an, an amazing little... I mean, it's 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 not even something that's made a big deal of in the game. It just happens. Um, and for that reason, I just thought it, it re- needed kind of um, pointed out and celebrated.
So that we only know by the title of main theme from Luftrausers, but it's by, uh, forgive my Finnish pronunciation, Jukio Kallio, known professionally as Kozilek, I think is right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and hasn't worked on tons of games. Um, perhaps uh, Nuclear Throne will be familiar to people if Luftrausers isn't, but also Kozilek has done such things as a Katy Perry remix. Oh, really? An official one, I think. Yeah, I've got a feeling like as well his name is stolen from Magic the Gathering. Um, there's a card in Magic the Gathering called Kozilek the Great Distortion, um, uh, which is an ace name if you're a musician. Got it. All right. Yeah, cool pick. I like that. Now, uh, we have no words to go with our next request. This is from Mike Leddy 83 on the forum. It's from Radiant Silvergun one of my favourites, and a soundtrack that I love. Um, so this will just give me a couple of moments to celebrate the work of Hitoshi Sakimoto, um, who's been writing music for games since the late 80s and uh, wrote music for things like Bubble Ghost and Gauntlet 4 back in the uh, 16-bit days. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics, which I think you can definitely uh, sort of hear the relationship to in this music, Gradius V, and uh, things like Valkyria Chronicles. Anyway, it's got a massive uh, CV full of incredible works. And this is one that uh, I find particularly stirring from the amazing Radiant Silver Gun by Treasure. It's Return.
now more blasting, but of a different nature. Uh, this goes back even further, in a way, in that uh, this is one of Jeff Minter's uh, Tempest uh, homages, mm. such to the point that uh, he can no longer release any more because Atari eventually said, well, the, the Atari that is now, which is not really the Atari that was around when uh, Dave Thwera was making the original Tempest, but... Regardless, after TXK came out, um, they said, you need to knock this on the head because these games are far too much like our intellectual property, which I know a lot of people are very upset about, but it is basically a complete, (laughs) it is the most blatant clone you could ever find. I love it. I love it though. Mm. It's a shame it's not coming to other formats. But um, but yes, one of the one of the uh, the, the treats about Jeff Minter's games is that uh, as much as his games remain in the early eighties, his uh, his audio picks remain in the late eighties. I suppose you could say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is very much uh, this like this is not a genre of music that I was ever into, even even though I was the right age at the time. But in terms of nostalgia, now this kind of uh, music that the piece you've picked is uh, takes me right back. Back to my teenage years. Yeah. So uh, next piece is "You Like" by Gareth Nice um, from uh, the TXK soundtrack, um, which, as Leon mentioned, I think is only on Vita. Is there a PS4 version? No, it never came no, out, did it? No. no they, that, that was uh, that, Atari put the kibosh on that by saying you need to stop releasing these really blatant clones of <laughs> yeah, these really blatant clones of the games that you made. Um, yeah, yeah. Another another great piece of music. So this one, I know I just said, oh, I try to piece, uh, pick pieces of music that are interesting from a production or a technical point of view. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I just really like eighties and nineties rave. Um, mm. And I say, what, what's brilliant about this is it is a piece of music from uh, <clears throat> two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, when the game came out. But it is the, the 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 sounds and the sample set used place it firmly in that kind of early prodigy kind of 92 93 um as as the rave scene was slowly turning into happy hardcore um it sits it perfectly in that it uses a lot of uh, from what i can tell anyway a lot of the old uh, samples that that anybody who's into that music will know from kind of um Night again, ninety two, ninety three. There's a sample called I think it's called the Funky Sample, which is that those stabs that dad dad dan It's got those in. It's got that artificial crowd noise underneath it. It it feels mm-hmm. like now now again, Leon. I'm I'm actually way too young to have experienced uh, yep, rave sure. at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was born in eighty seven. So right. um, this was kind of going on as I was um, <laughs> breastfeeding. As I was yeah, pretty much breastfeeding and going into <laughs> starting starting primary school. But it's it's the thing I love about rave. And again, moving as rave slowly evolved into that UK happy hardcore thing, is it's very evocative of mm. uh, music like this. To, to me, it's it's very similar to punk in the in the the seventies. Um, punk came about as a reaction to conservative government, mm. and the same in the uh, the eighties and nineties with with rave. It was a reaction to excuse me to Thatcher and to John Major. It was basically a load of teenagers who were bored, um, and just coupled with the same time, the 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 the, uh, the advent of uh, samplers and stuff like that beginning to be. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that they were as available now as they were they were available as available then as they are now. I mean, obviously they were still very expensive, actual physical mm. pieces of hardware. Like you, mm-hmm. it wasn't just a two meg plugin that you downloaded for no, your, right. your cracked version of Reaper or whatever it is that you use. Um, don't crack Reaper, by the way. It's already cheap enough. Um, but 
you know, these were physical pieces of hardware that, that people were using. It was digital music was starting to take over. And to someone like a Jeff Minton, it would have sounded like the future in kind of 85 to 90-ish, when mm. when Tempest was first kind of... Uh, I mean, again, you'd have to... You probably know better than I would, Leon, exactly when Tempest first came out. The original was uh, 81, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it was, yeah, 80, 82 maybe. But yeah, Jeff Jeff was tasked with um, updating the game for Atari uh, at various points, um, including, you know, the famous Jaguar version in the mid-90s. Mm. Um, but yes, he was when he was making um, perhaps his best known game from uh, the era of the music that we're talking about was uh, was Lamatron, which was a clone of Robotron, of course. Mm. Um, and yes, that, and this was also the era of the uh, the Amiga sort of uh, demo scene with lots of uh, heavily rave and E inspired uh, audio visual demos oh, and all this. Yeah, so the- this all ties back in to the same era for me. Yeah, there's amphetamines dripping off this track. Yes. Um, yes, and I mean it fits perfectly with with Jeff Minter's. You know, Jeff Minter's got a a, a, a very uh, he's got a signature style. Like, if you've played a Jeff Minter game, you recognise it. Obviously, uh, Jeff Minter gets extra brownie points for me for quite often including Welsh in his games as well. Yes, yeah, because uh, I believe he lives. I, I say round here uh, in Wales. Um, yeah, I don't think he's anywhere near me. I think he lives in the hills somewhere. Mm. Uh, on, on his on his small holding with his partner Giles. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Meanwhile, I live about thirty seconds from the English border, but someone's going to keep you out. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a great piece of music that's evoc- I say evocative of the time, not the time it was written, weirdly, um, but just a brilliant piece of music that properly encapsulates. Like if you if if somebody said to me, right, I want give me some tracks that really encapsulate nineties rave, I'd actually give them this, yeah, um, because despite it being a kind of plastic uh, facsimile of that, it does everything right. Brilliant piece of music.
You Like by Gareth Noyce. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Corruptor, with a K. Yeah. Uh, that's from 2014 now. Yeah, early 2014. Don't know what Jeff's up to at the moment. I know he's done quite a lot of iOS uh, stuff, but... Hmm. Next up, we have uh, a complete change of tone, as we so often like to do on Sound of Play. This is a request from the forum uh, from uh, Skadoosh Glynn, uh, who we are indebted to because he helped us out of a big uh, internet-shaped hole recently uh, when we had hosting issues. He went round the back end and, and has still been doing various uh, valuable bits of work since, so thanks to him for that. The least we can do is play his request, and his request goes like this. He says, This track to me represents the very pinnacle of the pinnacle, so far, game in this genre. The moment this track starts is the moment you have to use everything you've learned from being battered, mauled, stabbed, exploded, pounded, poisoned, bled and burned to death to face off against the only adversary left who is at the very least, your equal. The way the music ebbs and flows matches the battle as if every element of this duel has been engineered, choreographed even to be just so. Then as the fight progresses and the piece moves through to the second movement, as the battle progresses into its second phase, being led in by more bass and string instruments. As the choir begins, the fight gathers pace as if to signify the realisation that you may be a competent opponent, but at the same time maintaining this controlled flow as you circle each other slowly in anticipation of each explosive lightning fast lunge. The progression to the third phase of the fight sees the choir gently peter out, giving this sense of exhaustion, which by this part of the battle is quite apt. And this is German, the First Hunter by Tsukasa Saito.
from Bloodborne, of course. Everyone's now talking about another From Software game, but I'm still playing Bloodborne because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a long way behind, but I'm I'm fine with that. Our Bloodborne podcast comes uh, later, in right at the end of this uh, volume of Cane and Rinse. It'll be issue 250 off the top of my head. Um, but no doubt we'll be looking at doing something for Dark Souls 3 in the future once uh, everything relating to that game has come out and settled down. Dark Souls 3 has got some very good music as well. I'm about 10 hours in. And there's a couple of pieces that just sound like a choir being kicked down the stairs. It's marvellous. Nice. Sounds good. Uh, I'm sure some of those pieces will be brought to a sound of play in the not-too-distant future. Uh, We don't have a sort of time uh, limitation on that sort of thing. So, Uh, as I've been saying, as I said earlier, and as I always say, remember, do please venture over to the forum at canarince.com or Twitter at canarince or the Facebook page facebook.com slash where you can request your favourites or other oddities and curios of interest and we'll continue to include a selection in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play podcast. As I always say, please do subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Cane and Rinse, and leave us a review or a rating on iTunes or anywhere else that you get this from. Whatever your platform, let us know if it's not there because we can probably add it. So before we hear about your final track, another favourite of mine as well, uh, I'd like to thank Chris Spann for joining me. Do you have anything that you'd care to plug? Have you got anything that needs publicity at this point, other than your Twitter feed, which you're quite welcome to plug? Two things, right. So um, at CS87 on Twitter. Also, um, I am... Actually, no, there's a couple of things. Um, I used to do a podcast called The Recycle Bin. Leon has been on The Recycle Bin. You can find that at Recycle Bin Pod. It's kind of dead now. It might come back in another form. Basically, what happened was I started it before Gamergate, Mm. and then Gamergate happened, and I got Mm. really sick of talking about Gamergate every week because Uh the show is about things that people don't like, and a lot lot of stuff comes back to Gamergate. Um, So... I got kind of sick of that and some life stuff happened which meant I couldn't I couldn't carry on recording it at the time. Um but uh, in its place uh, is an occasional podcast I do with Andy Hamilton of Midnight Resistance and other things called Being Very Sad. You will find that at a very sad dot website. Uh, no.com that's literally the entire URL. Um mm. but keep an eye out on my Twitter as well. I've got maybe another project bubbling in the background that might might come to life. At some point soon, I don't know. I'm always almost doing things. So good stuff. Keep an eye out. Keep almost doing things. But yeah. do some of them. At least some of them. That's, That's uh, my yeah. motto, yeah. Yeah. At CS87 to uh, keep abreast of all Chris Span related antics. <laughs> uh, and as I say, to all our community contributors, do keep the requests coming. We need them. Uh, we want them. So, yes, uh, Chris, your final pick is from the mighty Bayonetta. Uh, and what led you to bring this uh, to our to our sound of play thirty nine? Imagine you are Platinum Games and you're sat round thinking, right? So obviously we're Platinum, we're brilliant. We've made Mad World, it's fantastic. We've made Vanquish, that's brilliant as well. Um, we're going to make the pinnacle of the spectacle fighter, whatever what you want to call them genre. Mm-hmm. What should be our kind of main um, musical theme throughout the game? Bearing in mind this is a game in which you play a witch, you fight through hell. Um, the game and the game is is enormously um, it's it's a very biblical themed game. And somebody at some point, possibly Bart Howard, the guy who composed this, went, 
what about a cover of Fly Me to the Moon? <laughs> and someone will have gone, what, the, the Sinatra song? And he'll have gone, yeah, yeah, why not? Um, that, that's got to be a good idea, right? And the, the the fascinating thing about it is, now, I don't know whether the overall aesthetic of Bayonetta adds to... Um, makes it work or whether the game is responsible for like 80% of Bayonetta's aesthetic because it just it feels like it fits perfectly it, it shouldn't do I mean the game in which it, the, the game involves you um, you know firing guns at enormous like upside down dragons with whether the heads of the legs and things like that mm. and, and firing rocket launchers which apparently contain the soul of uh, a dead character from Apocalypse Now, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if that's canon or not, but it's called Kilgore. Um, oh, yeah, true. Mm. Like, like, it's an incredible, incredible violent game, in, say, in which angels get their, their heads pulled off and stuff like that. And the entire time, there's this really nice sort of female vocal version, like a proper J-pop version of Fly Me to the Moon, just going on and on and on in the background. And it shouldn't work, but that's why it's so so brilliant because mm. say if you play i mean the, the, to my mind the only the only series that comes close to this in the genre are, is devil may cry and devil may cry almost all of the devil may cry games have and again sorry if anyone's ever chosen music from devil may cry or you want devil may cry music on this show the music in all the devil may cry games is rubbish um even when they got in um Oh, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he did the music for DMC. He's a well-known kind of industrial and, and uh, industrial metal guy, and he's called like Anger Fist or um... yeah, uh, I can't remember either. But I actually quite enjoyed some of the music on the on the reboot game more than the uh, the old Capcom stuff. I have to oh say. yeah, like it's 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 perfect for what it is, but it's not like no one's ever going to write a five hundred page analysis on it. Um, like it, it, I don't grin about it like when I'm playing Bayonetta. Yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's just rubbish. And again, I'm I'm saying this. Don't write in. Like I like Head PE. I like the Insane Clown Posse. Like I'm well aware of what bad music sounds like. I mean, I quite like the uh, the Devil May Cry soundtrack. It's just not good. Um, but the the soundtrack to Bayonetta is an is absolutely incredible. I mean, Bayonetta two carried it on. There's a version of Moon River on that. Um, and there's another piece of music which. I can't remember off the top of my head whether it's actually original or not for the game, but it contains the line, you won't see me coming when I spin round with you in my dustbin. Um, so I suspect it's probably an original piece of music. Yeah. Um, just to just just say, a phenomenal piece of music, and to my mind, probably a, an appreciable chunk of what makes Bayonetta so memorable. I mean, like you say, it, it's, it's, it's grin-inducing every time it kicks in. Um, because every time you know that you're playing basically a, a an evil Barbie doll who's about to kick some ass. Fantastic. Can't leave it any better than that. Um, yes, so we covered uh, Bayonetta and Vanquish, actually, in the Cane and Rinse podcast issue 12. And so, yes, thanks, Chris. Thanks to all our contributors. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll leave you with Fly Me to the Moon.